Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. She is a senior NFL analyst and content director for NBC Sports. Also a co-host on the Three and Out podcast. She is a Cleveland native. Samantha Bunton joins us on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline, Samantha, I know it's been a while. I'm glad we got to finally connect. How is the uh, start of the year going for you? Good, good. It's, it's good to talk to you again, Spencer. You're right, it's been a while. Yeah, I know. We haven't had a chance to talk in a little bit, but I apologize. It's been a busy end of the year. I was, I, I think I mentioned to you I was in the midst of moving. We had holidays with the, the, the seven-month-old, so it's just been a lot. And I know you said, so you were abroad for the holidays, which I think is is awesome that you got to do that. Yeah, yeah, it was great, or at least it started off really well. We were <laughs> visiting uh, in London and Oxfordshire with family and then awesome. in Paris, and then we got the flu. So mm. uh, don't, got to tell you, zero out of ten, don't recommend flu in a foreign <laughs> country. Not great. Uh, so we lost a few days off the back end, but on the whole, I, I can't complain. We had a nice time, and it's a, a kind of good time to be abroad. And I, I have not seen Paris at uh, the holidays before, so that was a first. So that was pretty neat. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I've been dealing with over the last week, there was something that I was dealing with, I think that was flu-related. So I uh, certainly know where you're coming from with that. It's not it's not a fun experience. So, um, Samantha, I, I want to start locally here with the Browns, of course. Um, and I guess I'll start with kind of the thing I teased that I'm going to get into uh, myself after we, we get off the air here with you. But what did you make of the, I guess, fiery article that was written with Jadeveon Clowney where he had some choice words uh, in regards to the way he was used and the defensive coaching staff? And then he followed it up by trying to backtrack and say that his words were taken out of context this week. What, what did you make of, of kind of his – uh, blaze of glory exit from Cleveland at the end of the season here. I, you know, I, I guess I'll start with the fact that I think we all know that this was not taken out of context, right? Um, <laughs> no, he, he had a tantrum, I guess is how I put this. It's like he had a fit. He felt that he had some things that he needed to get off of his chest. And then when he was done having his fit, then he realized, oh, this might be a bad look for me, like going forward, perhaps even going somewhere else. I should probably walk this back a little bit. So the smart play would have just been to say, geez, I'm sorry. I let my temper get the better of me, but no, no, it was the usual. Oh, it was out of context. Oh, my comments were misconstrued, which we all know is not the case. So, I mean, look, there's a, 
a price or a potential price that always comes with hiring mercenary type players. And unfortunately, that is pretty much exactly what happened here. He was clearly unhappy. He didn't like, uh, I guess, being a member of a team uh, in a way. And as Miles <laughs> Garrett said, we don't want hostages here. Yeah. Um, and, and he was right about that. So this is probably a no love loss kind of break between the two, but it is. Uh, it did find it a little bit funny how uh, dedicated he was to, to trying to walk this back once it occurred to him that somebody outside of Cleveland might care further down the road in his career. <laughs> yeah, and I, I do think on on some level, um, you know, I think the shots at Miles Garrett and, you know, they're them trying to make a Hall of Famer and they're more worried about that than, than which, honestly, like putting Miles Garrett in, in situations that are prudent to him getting to the, the quarterback makes, I mean, every, every defensive coordinator should be doing that, right? Like that should be commonplace across the NFL. So it shouldn't really come as a surprise as Jadeveon Clowney, but that stuff was ridiculous. I think what, where this comes from, though, and some of the shots he took, I think, just at the coaching staff and how he mentioned, you know, there's a 5% chance I'd be back and apparently there's going to be some changes around here. I think that came from a place of probably some truth within the locker room that guys were ready to move on from Joe Woods. And we know that also just because of some of the things that were said throughout the year, kind of reading between the lines on Joe Woods. With that said, we now know Joe Woods is out the search for a new defensive coordinator has begun. There's been several names linked to the Browns already. Denard Wilson, the most recent one that's being interviewed today here in Cleveland. Which of the guys that have been floated out there do you think is maybe the best fit, both from a culture standpoint, but also a schematic standpoint for the Cleveland Browns next year? Well, let's start with scheme because that's probably the easiest one, and yeah. that's going to be Jim Schwartz, of course. Um, you know, he's probably the front runner for the job because of it. It would probably allow them to remain in a 4-3. You would not see a lot of game changes there. He would be a very good fit to sort of be a better version of what they're already doing. So certainly some connections to the team as well. And I know it's, it's not an exciting hire, right? I mean, I, I feel like every year someone is interviewing Jim Schwartz for this job. So it's kind of hard to get all fired up about getting Jim Schwartz. So he might be the best fit here. And certainly in terms of scheme, in terms of X's and O's, he's your guy. Um, Culturally speaking, I don't know. Um, I, I think maybe something a little different uh, in order. Mm-hmm. And certainly I, I think with Stefanski being sort of on the more conservative end of sort of the style of coaching that he employs, it might be nice to get somebody who was a little bit more fiery uh, and a little bit more of a kind of a, a motivator type in here. But there's not really a lot of that available. I mean, I know Brian Flores, I think, for different reasons, is certainly very tempting. He's probably the most talented coaching mind of the, the people available. But he is also in talk to become a head coach elsewhere. I know he's interviewing at least with Cardinals. And I would think that if a head coaching opportunity were presented to him, that he would take that instead, regardless of sort of what the situation was with that team versus what his situation would be with the Browns. So I, I think that one's a little bit of a long shot. Um, you know, I think Sean Sy is sort of intriguing. You know, Gerard Mayo is a, a very interesting candidate to me, but it's looking like, you know, New England doesn't want to let him go. So it looks like they are going to find a way to promote him so they can keep him in house. And then you kind of get down to some of these other, you know, Eric Washington, I know his name has been bandied about. Obviously, anybody who is connected to the Bills right now, their stock is up. And there's yeah. connections with Stefanski through Leslie Frazier. Jim Leonard's name has, has been put out there. I'm not sure I think that makes much sense. But, you know, there is a, a world where I think he would be sort of an easy person to slot in there. So we'll see. But right now, 
is probably Schwartz at the top of the list. That's the easiest, sort of least offensive hire that I think that you can make with the candidate pool that you have. Talking with Samantha Bunton on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. Um, I guess, let me ask you this. How, how do you evaluate? Because I think fans hear like Jim Schwartz, they hear Brian Flores, and those are the names that stand out because we know those names, right? But when you hear like Sean Desai, and, and I've kind of argued here the, already on the show that he's the guy that Kevin Stefanski has familiarity with. They, they coach together, and I kind of worry like maybe that's the guy they end up picking just because we know how this works in the NFL. A lot of times guys pick the guys that they know, right? Um, like how do we evaluate a guy like Sean Desai who maybe we don't know as much about or a guy like Denard Wilson who hasn't really been a defensive coordinator but has gotten the experience kind of as the right-hand man to Jonathan Gannon? How do we look into and evaluate the guys that we maybe don't know as well? Yeah, it's, it's tough to do this, especially with Desai because I, I think there's a, a bit of a problem there which you sort of alluded to, which is that coaches often, to their own detriment, hire their friends. And then they are also more hesitant to fire their own friends when their friends are not performing well because, you know, it's their friends. So it, it's a little bit worrisome that he's the guy who ends up with the job that he's there mostly because he and Stefanski are pals and they have some history together. And certainly that's not necessarily a bad thing, but, you know, we saw this with Joe Hart. You know, it's, it can be. We've, we've seen many a head coach sink their own ship because they were unwilling to fire their pals quickly enough. So I think that's somewhat of an issue. I'm also not super impressed with what he has done in Seattle, so that makes me a little bit hesitant. But it is harder to evaluate guys like this because we don't have the sort of lengthy track record of what they can do and how they would fit. And Denard Wilson, to me, that's sort of the out-of-the-box hire, potentially, if you say, you know what, we're going to do something different. We're going to do something that's a little bit out of character for this administration and this coaching staff and we're going to try something and, you know, there's some, I think, appeal to him. There's a little bit more diversity um, in terms of the way that Philadelphia runs that defense. So there's a little bit room to keep the same scheme, but also experiment with some other things. Um, I certainly trust the system that he's working within. So I, I find him intriguing in that way, but it is a little bit difficult, difficult to evaluate it as it always is when people get promoted to a job that they've never had before, that just because you were good at the last job doesn't necessarily mean you can rise to the occasion. So it would be a chancier hire for sure than Schwartz. Going to the NFL, you're no, you're you're okay. Going to the NFL at large, um, I want to ask about Derek Carr because we know he's on the outs in Las Vegas, maybe unfairly the way that they kind of have treated him here at the end of his tenure, it seems like. Um, but and they're trying to expedite the process because there's some deadline with, you know, middle of February where his contract kicks in or whatever it is. So where do you think Derek Carr ends up in 2023? Uh, if I had to guess the Jets, uh, yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you're giving me one guess, that's what I would say. Um, mostly I think that it's an anywhere is better than here situation for Derek Carr. I mean, he's, I, I'm a bit of a Derek Carr apologist and I think he's been treated fairly unfairly throughout his entire tenure uh, fair. with the Raiders, not just under Josh McDaniels. And certainly I think that there's some misunderstanding a little bit of the situation in that, you know, he wasn't actually benched for Jared Stidham because they thought Jared Stidham would be better than him. It had a lot to do with, as you mentioned, the contract and some worries about some guarantees kicking in there, especially if he were to get injured and they would like to trade him, which is probably good for everybody. It's better for the Raiders. It's better for him. So I hope he gets another shot. I'm thinking the Jets. Um, you know, 
know, I think Pittsburgh would be a good fit, but I don't know that they're necessarily in the market or that they're going to be willing to give up anything. So I don't really think they're part of that conversation. But the, the Jets, that's interesting, although you also have to put, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo on the table there as well, and he has the connection to Robert Sala. So would the Jets be more interested in going that way? I'm not sure yet. A few more minutes with Samantha Bunton, and I want to get into playoff talk here, which is one of the reasons why I love having you on at this time of year. And I brought it up earlier. Last year, you were the conductor of the San Francisco 49ers train, and you 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 rode it all the way to the NFC Championship game. They almost got to the Super Bowl. They were a few plays away from pulling it off. Um, I'm curious, as we look at these games this weekend, I have a few questions for you. First and foremost, what is the team this weekend that you think is maybe most ripe for an upset, to to be upset, I should say, uh, maybe the, t- the teams that we consider the best uh, in, in wildcard weekend? Okay, let's see. Well, first of all, I'm going to throw out Giants-Vikings because I don't – that's like a coin flip game. I don't know that there's a true upset there. So mm. I, I would feel like I'm cheating um, if I use that one. The Vikings so – I've, I've been saying it all year, Samantha. Like, the Vikings, just there's something off with them. Like, they, they've yes. won some big games, but they win all these close games. They're all, like, one score. Their point differential's not good. Yeah, like, they've, they've kind of felt like a fraudulent – good team all year I don't, I don't know I think you're right about oh, that absolutely yeah I mean they've been outscored by their opponents like that doesn't <laughs> that should not add up to the record that they had but you know ladies and gentlemen the NFC North not exactly a terribly competitive position no no um, and the, the Giants have their own problems too I think it's going to be an interesting game but I don't know that there's an upset there so I think you know again Jaguars Chargers that one's a little bit intriguing as a potential upset matchup um and then Oh, boy. Maybe, maybe Ravens-Bengals. Um, mm. It's very, very hard to find a path for the Ravens to win that game because they're just, like, broken and they don't have a quarterback. But I also think that there is a scenario, especially because, you know, with Cincinnati being sort of notorious for not adjusting offensively and the Ravens' defense being very, very good at exploiting things like that, that there's a chance that the Ravens win that game, like, you know, 12-7. to 7 or something like that. So perhaps that's the best potential for a true upset there. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking at the Dallas-Tampa Bay game on Monday night because I've been kind of having this debate with a friend of mine who's a big Patriots fan, so by default he still obviously loves Tom Brady. And we've kind of been going back and forth on, like, what are the teams in the NFC that you trust can actually – dethrone Tom Brady because the Bucks have been bad this year. That, that offense yeah. has not been very good. The offensive line issues are part of it, of course. But I I, I look around, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't really trust the Bucks. But then you're also like, it's playoff Tom Brady. And who's betting against playoff Tom Brady? And so for a while, I think I would have put Dallas on that list. But I kind of go into that Monday night game weary because as I think about it more, I'm like, do I trust Mike McCarthy specifically to actually dethrone Tom Brady? How uh, the the path for Tom Brady, I guess, this year kind of feels like maybe one of his easiest easiest paths in terms of the quarterbacks that he's playing in the NFC this year. What teams, I guess, would you actually trust can, I guess, dethrone the GOAT, if you will, in the NFC side of things? Well, not Dallas. Let's start there. Mm. Um, if there's anyone I trust less in the world than Mike McCarthy to do what he <laughs> needs to do, I can't think of who that would be. Uh, that's not necessarily specific to Tom Brady. It's more like, a, well, trust Dallas to get in their own way. So certainly not Dallas. Um, you know, I think there's a, a conversation. Obviously, the Eagles, that's the easiest yeah. answer. They are the most talented team. But I would also put an argument for it that 
I think that San Francisco is sort of uniquely designed to be able to stop the Tom Brady offense, Agreed. even if we're talking about the playoff Tom Brady offense, you know, the one where he's more willing to stand in and take a hit. Um, where he just kind of comes alive and, and becomes his goat self. I think that the way that that defense is structured and what they are good at is sort of uniquely aligned to be able to take down that Tampa Bay offense, even with Tom at his finest in the postseason. Those are the two teams that I had circled. The Eagles and the 49ers are the two teams for me that I feel like can dethrone Tom Brady. And the Eagles are kind of interesting because they're still kind of a young team, young head coach, but it feels like they have enough talent to get the job done. Samantha, I'll get you out of here with this. Your Super Bowl prediction, the teams that will meet and then the team you think comes away with the win this year in a few weeks here in February for the Super Bowl. Bills over the 49ers. Mm. Uh, that's where I'm at right now. I think the 49ers <laughs> are going to surprise a lot of people. I, I think ultimately they might be able to knock off the Eagles. I'm pretty confident in Buffalo in the AFC. I think they are the most talented team in the league right now. I also think they have one of those, sometimes you get that like team of destiny vibe. And you oh, know, yeah. They had this horrific snowstorm and, and you know this horrible injury where a player almost died on the field and it's pretty hard to stop a team that has that kind of talent that has also that sort of stuff going on <laughs> off the field behind them. And, and I don't see a team in the AFC, including the Chiefs, who is strong enough to knock them mm. off. And I just, I'm not sure the NFC, even the Eagles and the 49ers, who are very talented teams, I'm just not sure they're quite on a level with Buffalo, especially when the Bills have just a little something extra to play for. I love it. The 49ers on notice again for a deep playoff run. You can you always can count on the 49ers to give you some uh, some good playoff games and give you a run in this time of year. She is a senior NFL analyst and content director for NBC Sports, a Cleveland native. You can follow her on Twitter at Samantha Bunton. Samantha, always appreciate the conversation. We'll definitely do it throughout the offseason. Appreciate you. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me on, Spencer. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.